African Americans not super fond of that Birth of a Nation movie, even in 1915. <laughs> really? They, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Film Thropology. Oh, that's what we're doing. I don't know. Would you like to would you like to start us off here? Would you like to introduce the episode and say hello to the people? You're kind of leading this and I'm merely but a listener. Why do you keep saying that? You got to say words too. You're not just No, gonna I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to say words, but I'm I'm your patron. No. You are my co-host. <laughs> Alright, but you're... The people listening are the patrons. You can't I'm, just I'm, be I'm completely also, passive. I'm just like them. I'm one of them. We are all going to listen to you tell us about some movies, some history. Not just, and well, and maybe a couple about movies. Life. A lot about life. Maybe a little about um, we'll, ju- we'll learn along the journey. Okay, so... Welcome to Film Topology. We have a fun one for you, okay? This movie is like the epitome of fun, okay? Gonna be grinning from ear to ear this episode. Cause it, all, all fun here, okay? The film today, a goodie, man. Birth of a Nation, uh, which was originally called The Klansman. Were you aware of this? I didn't know that. No. Wait, you didn't know that? No, I've never watched the movie. So, I've only, oh, I, let I, me be very clear, actually, since you just said that. I yeah. fucking didn't watch this movie yet either, and I don't yeah, yeah. care to. I but don't we'll, to we'll, we'll get into all that later. But I, I got the whole. I know what happens in the movie, and it is, yeah, it is, it is a wild ride. We won't get into the plot <laughs> of this movie until like way, way later. I'm gonna record but, um, all the critiques of this movie as we go through. I, like every, so far, the funnest movie, the epitome of fun, is one. Uh, a wild <laughs> ride <laughs> is another. <laughs> Okay. No. So, and oh, full. What's up? I'm sorry. I, I I shortened that. The full the full your full review. It was. I did not watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care to. But I know what happens. Woo! What a wild ride. <laughs> Adam Cheatham. Yep. That. Print it. Um. Okay, so, Birth of a Nation. You may or may not have heard of this movie, but it is one of the biggest movies ever created in terms of its impact um, for a number of reasons. What we're going to do to kind of ease us in as we talk about this is um, we're going to talk about the good stuff. The good to neutral stuff. 
we're just gonna stick to that and we're just gonna talk about like the great stuff about it like you know um so its original name the Klansman came from uh it so the film was actually adapted it was a novel and then a play and uh people fucking loved it so they was like let's turn it to a fucking movie right okay. at the time film was not viewed as like an art form that is seen by the masses so the reason why birth of the nation is such an oh what's up oh i'm sorry so what time are we in 1915 okay gotcha that that was when uh and let me confirm that actually before i start talking because i want my dates right at least okay so there okay so there's a little there is a 1911 version but it was uncompleted and lost and we'll never see that ever um Yes, filming began, began in 1914, and the first release was on January 1 of 1915. That was its first release in Riverside, California, where it sold out, and people loved it. All right, home of the many Zodiac. People, <laughs> many people were turned away. Um, actually, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, actually. So, Birth of a Nation helped submit feature-length films and the reception for film as a serious art medium moving forward. It was the longest and most profitable film then produced and also for its time really technically advanced and had some techniques that we use still today. And I was actually unaware of some of these things. I think I, I do find it genuinely fascinating. The first thing that um, it did was, well, I don't want to say first, but one of the things that it did was you have a, for like a Civil War scene, which is a big point in the movie, they used hundreds of extras and filmed it in such a way to make it look like thousands of people, which is a pretty interesting technique and something that's still used today. Um... It was also the first non, I, don't, I actually don't completely understand what this means, but I'm putting it in my notes. It was the first non-serial American 12 reel film ever made, admittedly. Not completely sure what that means. I have no idea what that means. I was I was started out there in hopes that maybe you knew what that meant. I'm, I now I'm going to look it up. What what was it again? Say it again. The first non-serial American twelve realm twelve reel film ever made. Is that does it use? Does it just mean that it used like? What does that even mean? Yeah, I don't know. It's also uh, known for um, close-ups. Like, it, it pioneered close-ups on the characters. Oh, okay. Okay, so what, what it seems to be is it was the first, oh, like, serial means, like, um... I guess the closest 
comparison I could think is uh, like Pulp Fiction, how like mm-hmm. all the scenes are just kind of little vignettes. Oh, okay, sure. And so I guess there were twelve of them. That doesn't sound right, but we'll just who cares? This movie, whatever. I, I couldn't find <laughs> but, out like what all, twelve real really meant, all, but that is what. But I guess the two techniques. The, well, I guess I would say three, because I think the battle scene where you're using hundreds of extras but filming in such a way as uh, yeah. making it look like thousands is one. But the other two things I find to be... Uh-oh, sorry. The other three things that I find to be super interesting about it is that it pioneered close-ups, which is cool, um, and fade-outs for film. Like, it was it's known as the film... That pioneered close-ups and fade-outs and literally like we still refine and use those things today right that's rough another thing is it was the first american-made film to have a musical score for an orchestra so like literally okay. this movie pioneered so many things for film and like its popularity is kind of what helped um kind of energize films moving forward jesus oh man i don't want to that's that's see that's hard for me that's rough because (laughs) in some ways you can put it up on a pedestal as as Mm -hmm. as groundbreaking in some aspects yeah you know you remember that on a technical yeah on, on a technical aspect like yeah on a technical, a, on a technical level, groundbreaking. When, when we're talking about th- writing, uh, a little, little yeah, much thematic- to be desired in the writing department. Yeah, socially, like thematically. So, oh, and boy. to kind of pull back the curtains on like what made it so big. So the producers put a lot of money to making uh, the film, to create the film. And in order to make their money back, they knew they needed a lot of publicity. In order to accomplish that, they decided to release the film in a roadshow theatrical release. So rather than like a widespread release, like going town to town and like having a show for a day or two. This allowed them to charge premium ticket prices, sell souvenirs, and build excitement around the film before giving it that wide release. That's... Pretty good. That's good marketing. Yeah. Um, so now we're gonna get into kind of the, the the shady stuff about Birth of a Nation. So it's plot, which I think on the surface level, super interesting, in the sense of it's part history, part fiction. It's taking real historical moments and then putting inserting like fictional characters you know it chronicled uh chronicling the assassination of abraham lincoln and uh the relationships of two families in the civil war and reconstruction eras over the course of several years you got the stonemans representing the north and the camerons representing the south okay So like, okay. Is that like a you know things come to a head type deal? Uh, 
Not at all. Well, yes, but not in the way I think you think. Not the way I... Because I, I, I don't... Because uh, so, I don't do you, think, like, a, a climax, like, a plot structure I don't think was really a thing back oof, then. The climax. There is a climax. Okay, really? Okay. <laughs> That's right, because it was a novel first. They, they, yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, so, actually, um, you know, I'll, there's going to be a whole segment where I kind of talk about the plot a little bit, but um, I will say, actually, let's let's have some fun here. Who do you think... Who do you think the antagonist is in this film? Let's have some fun here. Um, oh God, who who's the antagonist? Yeah, I'd name that. You know, yeah, the stone. Of, let me uh, get the names right. It's the, the Stonemen's in the North, the stone and the Camerons represented the South. I assume the Stonemen's are the bad guys. See, that it was actually a trick question. It. It's black people. Okay, see, because my answer was going to be black people, but you made it seem... <laughs> yeah, no, it's a trick question. You made it seem the like... The antagonist is black people. between those two Actually, to be, to be more frank, the, the antagonist is black people and Reconstruction as an idea. The idea of, like, what Reconstruction was trying to do is seen as a villain throughout the film. Okay. Whew. Okay. So let's get into the fun part. While there are a lot of positives to pull from this groundbreaking film, it's also considered one of the most controversial in history. The movie portrayed Abraham Lincoln positively, but a friend of the South, which is strange for a movie that was pushing the lost cause ideal. Uh, ideology are you familiar with the lost cause I am not what oh. does that mean so I have a nice little definition the lost cause of the confederacy is an American pseudo historical myth that claims the cause of the confederate states during the American Civil War was just heroic and not centered on slavery. I'm sure sometime in your life you might have heard someone say that, like, the Civil War was fight over states' rights, right? Uh, yes, I have. I've heard that one before. <laughs> that is the lost cause okay. ideology in a nutshell. Okay. Um... A common talking point from this train of thought is that, wait, I'm kind of repeating myself, but yeah, the southern states fall over states' rights, not slavery. This yeah. ideology perverts the real motivations for the American Civil War and is sadly, like, perpetuated to this day. I've had conversations about it as recently as a few years ago. <laughs> it's kind of okay. crazy. People still, you know. Ugh. I, I don't. I, ugh. Have you ever had a I conversation about the lost cause with anyone? Like have Okay, you... well like I, I I have however brief it may have been, but they mm -hmm. didn't refer to it as the lost cause. So I mm -hmm. think that's the thing they they I guess focus more on the ideology. I don't know if the the actual label for it remained throughout the years. I'm sure it does in some circles. But I, I at least was not aware of it. Which maybe that's a good thing. I'm not hanging around that type of 
people. So that's good. <laughs> I'm glad for that. So now we're going to get into the meat, the real center of the controversy of Perth of a Nation. All right. And it's just Hit simply me. how they depicted African-Americans. Like, that that's honestly the biggest, I mean, yes. okay. So, so to put yes. it bluntly. Ex examples. Um, I'll give a description and I kind of want to wait for the examples until I get into the okay. plot. Okay. But they described them as unintelligent and sexually aggressive to white women. And okay. that is a real plot point throughout the movie, actually. Um, is uh, black men aggressively going after white women and a white savior coming in to make the save. Um, okay. Also, <laughs> many of the black many of the black characters were played by white actors in blackface. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> Bro, that's the rudest shit. Yo, hold I've up! Ever fucking heard. Hold up! We ain't even. We ain't even. Hold uh, on. Okay. Let me. All let right. me give the last point. Okay. The film also depicted the Ku Klux Klan. As a heroic force. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to say it one more time. I don't know what to say to that. Birth of a Nation depicted the KKK as a heroic force necessary to preserve American values, protect white women, and maintain white supremacy. How can you, I don't know, man, like, it just objectively, right? How can you, how can any person, any individual feel confident in the fact that their group is heroic and positive when the last line, like, the last part of their motto is maintain white supremacy? Well... This may sound crazy to us now, a hundred years in the future, yes. but most Americans were all about that. I mean, there's a reason why the movie was very popular, right? Yeah. People were all about the white supremacy back in the day. <laughs> yes. Really scared of the former slaves being integrated into society. So they <laughs> were not about that life. Yeah, um, yes. Uh, uh, fair enough. You know what? I'm. We've come a long way as a nation. We still got but, further yeah, to so go. All but... of this and more is the reason why this is considered the most racist film ever produced by Hollywood. Yeah. But yeah. let's let's give. I want to give some historical context because the movie is released officially January first, nineteen fifteen. But and and the KKK is seen as like this heroic force. And I I just I find it so fascinating that people in that time can still uh, claim that the KKK is this heroic force because 40 years prior to the release of that film, 1871, the US Congress had to pay, uh, pass something known as the Ku Klux Klan Act. The bill suspended habeas corpus to allow the government to prevent the KKK from terrorizing black citizens for exercising their right to vote, running for public office, and serving on juries. 
yep. military force was brought into the South to chill the KKK out from killing black people just at like an insane clip. And yeah. I, I'll actually get into that a little bit. Um, a little bit later. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think another event that I want, that I think also kind of gives historical context to this movie, because what's interesting about the movie, not, it did help perpetuate the, the ideology of it, but it, you know, it didn't create it, right? It's kind of the product of it as well. So it's both like the product of white supremacy, but also it perpetuated white supremacy as well. Yeah. But um, another event it's, I thought... Hmm? Oh, nothing. I was just going to say it's like one big part of the snowball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another event, uh, you may have heard about it. A lot of people have heard about it in the last like three years now, which is, I guess it's good. But the, the Tulsa Massacre in 1921 which is only six years after the release of birth of a nation yeah tulsa was recognized nationally for its affluent african-american community known as the greenwood district it was a thriving business district surrounded residential area and was referred to as black wall street <sighs> on the morning of may 30th 1921 a young black man named Dick Rowland was riding in an elevator with a white woman named Sarah Page. To this day, the details are a little, they vary from person to person. Accounts of an incident circulated among the city's white community during the day that, so it was highly insinuated that she was either sexually assaulted or raped. And as the day went on and people, more and more people in that white community started to hear more about it, they began to get more and more aggravated and started a riot of sorts in the city of Tulsa. The event would spark an event that left 35 city blocks in charred ruins more than 800 people were treated for injuries. And historians now believe as many as 300 people may have died in that event. And I think what's important there is what was the spark of that was this idea of like protecting a white woman. And this is something that while it was definitely something the KKK took as their responsibility. Um, even people outside of the KKK, because this wasn't this this city that attacked effectively attacked another city. All those people were not a part of the KKK. So right. this 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 idea was something that went beyond the KKK, and people felt a need to have action if they felt like. African Americans were attacking white women. They decided to kill a bunch of people. Um. So yeah, with all that said, 
African Americans not super fond of that Birth of a Nation movie, even in 1915. <laughs> really? They, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they um, organized and protest the film across America. There was even an unsuccessful attempt to ban the film in Boston by the NAACP. On the contrary, white audiences loved the film as it was both a consequence and a contributor of racial segregation. And I guess to put it bluntly at the time, most people were considered most people who were considered white had a tough time with the idea of sharing resources and being in a community with African American people. And Birth of a Nation kind of helped push the, that idea along. Yeah. Um, films like Birth of a Nation and Gone with the Wind were actually like critiques on Reconstruction as a whole. Um, how, how how familiar are you with Reconstruction? Uh, I or, am. I am familiar with uh, Reconstruction. Uh, Reconstruction, the the period immediately following mm -hmm. um, the Civil War, where I mean, quite literally, everyone had to reconstruct not only all the damage that was done, all the towns that were destroyed, buildings, homes, what have you, but also the economies uh, that were damaged and the economy as a whole. I mean, and then of course, literally adapting to the fact that a very significant chunk of the American society is now no longer enslaved and is mm -hmm. a part of that society in full. Well, in theory. Yeah. Um, Reconstruction is considered to be the biggest social experiment in American history. It attempted to give civil and political rights to former enslaved people. And if we're going to be, I mean, if we're going to be precise with our words, um, enslaved men, because <laughs> we hadn't got there with women yet, but another story for another day. Um... <laughs> These films suggested that Reconstruction was a misguided attempt to upset the quote-unquote natural order of things in the South. While the South lost the Civil War, they won the ideological war of how Americans viewed the Civil War. This, in turn, prolonged the rights of people who were formerly enslaved. Like, really, at the end of the day, like that's, that was its main effect. It just prolonged the rights because they were afraid what that meant for their people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, this shit, sorry. I sh this is just, okay, sorry, I'm laughing about the next segment. Um, please, I'm I'm eager to see what's so fucking funny, man. Because that that was the heaviest shit I think we've ever talked about on this uh, this podcast. Birth of a Nation was so popular. So keep in mind, I said all that, but at yeah. its time, Birth of a Nation was so popular 
during its time, it had a viewing at the White House and became the first film ever shown at the White House. Who is president? Hoover? Oh, we're, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we'll get, I, literally next line. It was nah, praised. The, mo- the film was praised. How, dude, spoilers. <laughs> it was praised by President Woodrow Wilson, who called the film history written with lighting. And if, granted, it's just four, wait, five words, but I, I, if I was to kind of unpack that, it feels like he felt like the film was like history. But just with lighting, like. Uh huh. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I I wanted to kind of end on, not end, but like to use that to kind of segue into now the plot of the film. Um, I think that's a scary comment when you consider the details of the film. Uh, a film. Okay, I can't. Okay. So, I'm just going to... I don't give a shit. I'm going to start with the ending. Because I think it is the most hilarious thing. So, the happy ending of the film. What do you... I mean, you can probably uh, imagine what the happy ending of the film... It's not It's not the worst thing. But it's pretty fucking bad. Okay? So, the happy, the happy ending of the film is... <laughs> So okay, I I do have to do a little bit of setup. Does does like there there's a little bit of setup here. So um, we have our Civil War section, and um, it, it it's in two parts. Uh, the Civil War section, and then Abraham Lincoln dies, and then we go to the second section, which is Reconstruction period. Okay. In that second period, at the beginning of that period, we have <laughs> this horrible image. This horrible imagery of black people voting oh jesus christ um it's it's really a horror and that at least that's how the movie depicts it and and black people in like uh offices like that being depicted is like it's showing it's like that's the movie's attempt at critiquing reconstruction and saying like this is bad all right, so that you need to have that in mind to know the ending and to understand the importance of the ending. So that is like a really scary proposition for the audience. Black people voting, and um, you know what? I'm skipping a little bit around, but there's <laughs> there's also a segment in the middle of the reconstruction that I think is really funny, where it's viewed as like this really scary plot point that legislation just passed mixed marriages are okay (gasps) oh no but yeah i just think that's funny so i said what all so yeah yeah yeah. anyway let's go let's go to the ending the ending the best ending ever so the ending of the movie is the kkk rolling up to the pole station, right? Uh-huh. And scaring black people from voting. Happy ending. Let's go. 
Like that's the last that's shot. Yeah. The shot is of the KKK intimidating black people from not voting. That that's the happy well, ending of Birth of a Nation. Was it like do they just like walk up like kick some black person to the curb and like just look at the camera and so admittedly i'm not sure because i didn't watch it but from what the words i saw it it said that they were just posted up at the the um posted up at the polling station let me actually okay the (laughs) next okay i'm just gonna read the line this is the plot overview okay this is like the last sentence the next election day Blacks find a line of mounted and armed Klansmen just outside their homes and are intimidated into not voting. The end. Happy. Woo. What a satisfying way to end your story. At least that's what people thought at the time. I don't. Again, I don't really know what to say to that. <laughs> um, Hold on, there's a few more things I want to say. So, um, um, let's bippity buppity what the fuckity. I don't know. Like, let's talk about the climax of the film. So, in the climax of the film, our protagonist. So, I'll I'll be the honest. KKK. Sort of. Yeah. So I was going to get into it a little bit. Um, So I I haven't touched the plot a lot because this movie does kind of make me kind of frustrated for obvious reasons. Um, But let's talk about it for a little bit. The protagonist is a um, Confederate soldier um, who sees... Let me be as charitable as I can here. Um, the character sees Reconstruction as like bad for America, and through the lens of the movie, and um, decides to join the Ku Klux Klan as a force to kind of save America. Um, that happens in the Recon- in part two. He joins the KKK as a way to like save America. And, um, excuse me, in the, like, actual climax, there there are two separate situations where black men are attempting to uh, mate with a white woman. In the first case... Um, a woman jumps to her death and in response um, protagonist I don't remember his name I think it's Ben joins the KKK and lynches that man and that's viewed as a good thing the heroes this, so like the this girl killed herself after like they made a pass she, at her or like no she she like... she was running from the black man she told she got to a point where she was on a cliff she said i will jump off this cliff if you don't stop pursuing me he continued she jumps off she dies in retaliation the klu klux klan lynches him 
and it's like a positive moment in the movie. Because you, yeah. So that that's situation number one. Okay. The, the, the actual climax of the movie is a similar situation where there's a black man trying to um, get with, or he's he's trying to have one of the white women as his wife. One of those women are part of one of the two families. Admittedly, I I don't remember. So it's like a, considered a, a major character in the film, and. The fucking Ku Klux Klan comes in at the final, at the eleventh hour, to save the day. Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Root and Power Rangers! And I, 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 well, I know using African Americans as the main antagonist of the film was a deliberate attempt to paint a narrative, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm not going to say Birth of the Nation is the reason for these, but it helped perpetuate this narrative that would help influence. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to get kind of sad, but influence like the torture and murder of Emmett Till. Are you familiar with that story? I am. Yes, I am familiar with that uh, story and the people yeah. in that case and kind of to just it's very keep it's very sad yeah and to kind of keep hitting over the same themes right that it's this idea of protecting white women from black men um for our audience emmett till was killed well tortured then murdered for uh whistling at a white woman apparently and um they viewed him as a threat, so in retaliation for his heinous crimes, um, he was tortured beyond recognition and murdered. Um, his mom, for his funeral, made it an open casket so they could see what was done to him, and it's easily one of the most horrific things you'll ever see in your life. Um, not only did it influence something like that, it also influenced the only successful coup in America. Are you familiar with that? I, I don't think so. Ooh. Okay. So. Oh, this is awesome. So, um... It happening in Wilmington, North Carolina. <laughs> and admittedly, it did happen. So I can't say that this the movie influenced this. I just think it has similar sentiments as it. Because the insurrection happened in 1898. Okay. Um, but, uh, so, <laughs> this is, okay. This is so, it's, okay. This is a really absurd thing. But this is literally the only successful coup that's happened in America. And do you know what the catalyst for this coup was? Was it livestock? I think that's a good guess. Um, no. Okay. Um, I, I, it, don't, I don't know. 
that's it was my be- best guess. It was because a black person was elected in office. And what office? Let's see. Not sure. I do know the catalyst was some uh, someone black was elected, and the white people were like, you know what? No. <laughs> and they just and a literal coup happened, and um, yo, estimated two thousand black Americans were displaced, uh, and three hundred. 14, it's a range of 14 to 300 black residents were killed. And it's this okay. idea of it's a common it's a it's a it's a fully built ideology of we must protect our white women, we cannot have black people in office, and we can't be around black people, we cannot be in a community with black people. Um, and then the third event that I thought was I thought was important to bring up was the bombing of a black church in Mississippi in 1963. And I feel like it's important there. I feel like it's important to just bring that up just because it wasn't, it wasn't in just this like small time frame. like this ideology, while it's not nearly as prevalent in 2023, continued to push forward into the sixties as we got towards the civil rights act of 19, uh, I believe it's 64. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It. I just found these those events notable to kind of illuminate yeah. the same ideology that the movie was uh, perpetuating forward. Yeah. Um, with that said, those events obviously aren't everything um man this okay this that okay we're gonna do this that and try to wrap up our thoughts okay so the equal justice initiative has documented more than 2,000 black victims killed during the reconstruction era era from 1865 to 1876 that's an 11 year time frame okay how many were killed 2000 so the reason so this is a staggering figure when you compare it to 4400 lynchings between 1877 and 1950 so the kind of so let's let's be let's give context to that so the numbers higher 4400 were killed but that right. was over the span of 74 years more oh my in so the span of reconstruction 11 years yeah 2000 were killed so in 11 year span we have 2000 people killed yes. by lynching Hold up. In a 74 frame, we have 4,400. And that was why the Ku Klux Klan Act needed to be enacted. And honestly, if that act wasn't enacted, that number would be way higher. Right. Yeah, and so... So that's the thing. Did we touch on that? Like, what kind of resurgence did the the KKK see 
after Birth of a Nation. Oh, I mean, it, I, 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 mean I know it. I know so it, there was a the Ku Klux Klan came, has has came in waves, and it's kind of dependent on what movement's going on at the time. It was most prevalent during uh, times of Reconstruction, Jim Crow laws, and the Civil Rights Act in the '60s. Those are kind of like the three biggest ways of like the KKK. Um, they've had like after the KKK Act was enacted and like military force was came to kind of put them down for a little bit. They went silent. Um, okay, but they came surging back during Jim Crow laws. Okay. And kind of the same which, deal which, with, um, yeah. what's up? I was going to say, same deal Nothing. with, like, the say. civil rights in the 60s. Okay, yeah. So. You know, so, so, it also coincides with those three time periods, actually. What? The uh, building of Confederate statues. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Of course. Like yeah. when you when you look at, um, I saw a. I wish I had a visual aid, but there was like a graph of like Confederate statues built. You look at Reconstruction, uh, you have a peak. You look at Jim Crow, you have a peak. You look at Civil Rights in the '60s, you have a peak. There's a reason for that. They're trying to combat right. rights being given to black people. Right. Man. So, how should we remember Birth of a Nation? I don't think we should. We should, right? Well, thanks for the techniques. Off it's you a, go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a mixed bag, but it's mostly bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, like a big bag of 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 feces. With like a few nuggets of gold. Yeah, I. You know what? I think that's a great analogy. Um, it and absolutely. Like, when I say, like, yeah. No, what are you yeah. gonna say? No, I was gonna say like, and but like the gold is like really small. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, how, like flakes. You know what I mean? So it absolutely set the stage for film moving forward right its popularity is kind of what solidified film as an art form um and it even pioneered like a good amount of techniques that we continue to use and refine to this day right so yeah good on you for that yeah but it was also absurdly racist <laughs> and continued to perpetuate hate and yes. uh you know what the kind of chilling part about that is like that message is what was popular at the time of day and if that that message is like what gave it its popularity at the time yeah and that popularity is what solidified film it's super in weird. america yeah oh god yeah so I, you know, that, that, I, that sucks. That really sucks to think about. I'll, I'll close it out with this. You know, did we need Birth of a Nation? 
like for film to break out as an art form in America? I'm gonna lean towards probably not. But it would be foolish to say it did not have a uh, monumental impact on where films were headed. So. I think that's fair. I think that's well put. Because I agree. I don't think we needed it. I think some film would have come along if... (laughs) If D.W. Griffith didn't do it, then fucking wait 20 years or whatever, or 30 years for Orson Welles to do it. Like, Yeah. And scene. That's that's all my notes. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I mean... Uh, yeah. What a piece of shit. Not gonna watch that. <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you think about... Outside the movie, the, pres- the presentation... The presentation? Oh no, I thought it was great. Uh, I, I think we were able to to like sneak a, f- a few laughs in there, but uh, I think overall we were pretty serious. This is probably the most serious one we've done since Taxi Driver. Yeah, and I think this is more serious than that. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. He got shot, but come on, he was alright. You know this. I, you know what? I think that's fair. Like, Reagan lived. I know one dude died, and that's really sad, but, like, Birth of a Nation did, ir- I would say, irreparable damage in many ways to the black community. Yeah. I could agree yeah. with that. Yeah. So. When, it, when you have a film that views a lynching as a positive moment, and really, oof. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. pretty... So... Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck that movie. Great presentation, though. Nice. 10 out of 10. But yeah. I would not would not listen again. <laughs> not because you didn't do a good job, but because of the subject matter. So. Um, I, gotta, I, I, I knew The Birth of a Nation had, like, blackface in it. Yeah. And because I knew that, I, I kind of... Um, I don't know. I kind of steered clear of it because I just don't. I don't know. I don't want to rile myself up. Um, yeah. But man, doing some research on this movie, there's a lot of what the fuck moments. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh man. I. I mean, I'm not surprised. Like I just, but... I had no idea about the movie. I had no idea about the plot. But like the one, of the first few lines is like, yeah, the KKK is viewed as like a heroic feet uh, like a heroic group in this movie i was like oh shit this is this is gonna be bad <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of no. course i don't know dude, like it's it's so fitting that the climax of the movie has like in the in the 11th hour when all hope is lost the kkk the kkk and saves the day <laughs> By lynching a black man. <laughs> oh man, it's just crazy. Life, man. And I guess what's really yeah, chilling, like, oh, what's real, what's really chilling about that is just in nineteen, like even though it's a hundred years ago, the idea that like the majority of America watched that and was like, yeah, that's good shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> I. You know what really gets me? I just can't help but like, like I said, like it, it changes your perspective of history. Like, whatever like movies you've seen, period pieces, 
you've seen like I keep coming back to Titanic because I just keep picturing someone in like that was 1912 I want to say is when that happened so like yeah that time period you got a big ass you're on a ship that is sinking and you're just like oh oh god uh at least it's better than the black people getting right like I <laughs> think you did a great job presenting that though I think we all learned a lot now uh I guess it's time to sign off everybody tell everybody to touch grass and watch movies you led our episode would you like to do, sign us off I thought I just did <laughs> oh okay uh yeah well like I <laughs> guess so I have to say us. bye uh, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. We should, you know, yeah, we should tell them bye. Thank them for coming, you know. And I feel like I feel like that story I gave them was me thanking them, and then I could just say bye because I didn't have to give that, you know. That was my time, you know. Fair enough. You do it's your it is your time. You feel, do with it what feel, you want. I do feel like it's a two way street, you know. Don't yeah. get me wrong, okay. None of these, none of these ungrateful I do fuckers ever thank us. I appreciate people listening, but they also gotta appreciate me, you know. Yeah. What do y'all so. do for us, huh? But I mean, you saying that in a kind of sarcastic tone, but like, actually, you know. <laughs> actually, you don't do anything. What did you do to deserve things, right. okay? Yeah, that's true. So, you think you deserve yeah. our, this information we give you? I'm just saying, I did something. Do something for me. Join Fair our enough. Patreon. Yeah, join our Patreon. You know what? I will thank all of you for joining us uh, because yeah, I appreciate me. it. Um, Adam and I have a lot of fun on this podcast. Uh, and sometimes it's not always fun like this episode and some others we've done are more serious. But it is always a great time because we always get a lot of great information out of this. And we talk about something we love. Um America. Slavery. Slavery. That's right. Um, Shout outs to Samurai Champloo. One of the best animes out there. Represent out. What the f- this- Is that what that shirt is? Okay. I thought you were just plugging a random anime and I was like, what the fuck? What did that. We weren't. At no point was that mentioned. Shout outs to Cowboy Bebop. Not in frame, but there's a blanket. <laughs> you know, shout out to Seth Rogen. Uh, Shout out to the not that belts. A, not that that other guy, because he creepy and shit now. We don't like him no more. Um, James Franco, he's, yeah. he's talking about. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you know he went to uh, school in Asheville, right? Did he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Fuck that guy. Asheville's not- too good for him. Yeah, no, not act. <laughs> Not actually. Don't actually fuck that guy. And, like, don't take any drink he offers you either. So, uh, yeah. But thank you all so much for coming. Join our Patreon. Uh, follow us on whatever platform you listen to. Favorite us. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, tell your grandmother about us. Um, tell your barber. Tell your pastor. Uh, tell your local clansmen. Um... <laughs> Um, but again, thank you so much for joining. Uh, yeah. So we'll see you guys next time. Touch grass, watch movies.